Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Smaowong. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Our guest today is Jen Spencer, VP of Sales and Marketing at SmartBug Media, where she leads the sales, marketing, and brand strategy. Throughout her career, she's built many sales enablement programs from scratch, and we're so excited to be hearing from her today. Of course, of course, I love it. Um, so I want to jump a little bit over to um, the conversation that um, you led at the Sales Enablement Soiree. Uh, we really kind of had you focused on kind of the content component. Um, in the panel, you had actually mentioned that the lines are starting to blur between marketing content and enablement content. Um, I would love your opinion on, on how they differ and then also how they work together. So I think the... When you're creating content, you should be thinking about that buyer journey. So they're moving through stages, right, of awareness, consideration, decision, and then into like you're getting into evangelism. Um, and there, there's, there's content that's more appropriate in some um, for during some stages than there are in others, right? So that's where we see all right um, uh, something like a blog um, that is very educational is going to be something that's more an awareness stage piece of, of content, right? Because you're, you're, you're just trying to kind of attract people based on a, a pain they're, they're having. Um, you talking, you're talking about consideration stage content. Now someone knows they have pain. Um, they have to figure out if they want to do anything about it. And the option is always still, no, I'm not going to do anything about it, right? So if you're trying to kind of show them that there's a better way, then you've got to, con you're still continuing to, to, to educate them, not just on your product or your solution, but on, you know, what happens if you don't do anything. Um, and then into decision, decision, I think, gets split into kind of two different areas. It's, it's, it's intent and then actual decision, right? So intent is... I've decided, I've, I know I have a problem. I recognize what the, that there's a solution. Now I have to figure out which solution I'm going to select, right? So if that solution is on a software, okay, which, now there's five different companies that all do the same thing. Um, and then kind of deciding to, to you know, move forward with an organization. So why do I say, explain all this? I'm explaining all this because based off of, so everyone moves through that buyer journey at a different pace and with a different level of understanding. So if I've previously purchased, let's use, for example, I'm going to pick on Gong again, call recording software, okay? So this is a purchase I recently made. I have previously purchased that software. So my buyer journey was very different the second time around than it was the first time that I, that I, that I purchased that. The first time I was worried about, I was, oh gosh, I was stressed out about, um, about the legality right? I was stressed out about exactly how it was going to function. I was, there were, that was what I was worried about. The second time around, I already knew all of that. I felt comfortable with it. But earlier on in my buyer journey, I wanted to get into the weeds of what the product actually did. And I didn't want to talk to a sales rep. So whereas in my first time buying that software, it was more appropriate for the sales rep to be um, educating me on the functionality of the product. My second time around, I wanted that information a lot quicker. So I think that's where we're seeing like the marketing demand gen content and the sales enablement content kind of blur. It's based off of where that customer is in, in that person's journey. And there's nothing about the number of visits I've made to your website 
or the um, or my job title that will tell you I've already purchased software like this before, and my I I'm not at the twelfth grade level. I'm at the PhD level of this purchase. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned this in the story as well, so I, I wanted to dive into it. That's the follow-on question. But um, you mentioned how sales and marketing leaders are struggling to meet buyers where they are in their buyer's journey. I mean, you've called out some great points there. Um, and how do you think enablement can really help address that issue, though? So we need to, first of all, make sure that we are, we are pro- providing customers with access to the types of tools or resources that they're looking for. Um, and and the, the, the fact is like in a digital world, it's really easy to make things available to people and to kind of test and see what works and what doesn't and turn things on and turn things off, right? So like let's say there was some kind of a calculator type of tool or some kind of resource that you were previously kind of keeping on out to yourself and you weren't making it more publicly available. What's the harm in making it publicly available? Like actually you can start to gather some data on how that sort of resource is used, for example. Um, the other piece is making sure you're providing your sales reps or and anybody really for that matter who's interacting with customers. So your customer success team, and we're talking about sales reps and picking on them, but your customer success team probably has some upsell and goals and some churn goals as well, right? So we need to be enabling them and making it very easy for them to connect pain or connect um, opportunity with the right kind of content or material that that customer would would need. So we need to make it easy for the customer kind of on their own to find it, but then also that the the sales rep or the customer success rep or whoever that, that organization is, um, whoever that, whatever the role that is, that person has easy, quick access to the, what, what is going to help them serve the customer better. And I think we're not as forthcoming, like culturally about how hard it is. Um, because we are, sometimes we come into that, like check the box culture. Like we were just talking about this internally here at SmartBug, we've our own knowledge base, for example, has gone through multiple different iterations, and we still are not satisfied. You know, we haven't found the solution that really makes it effortless, as effortless as possible, for our team to get the information they need to properly serve our prospects and our customers. So it's something that we are we are constantly iterating on. Now, I happen to work in for a company that doesn't mind being five or six months into it to something and going, hey, this isn't working. Let's let's change it. But I also recognize that that's not the norm. So you, like being comfortable with with kind of cut, cutting the line on thing on projects that you've started or maybe investments that you made that you thought were going to make sense um, and 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 just really tracking what you know, what what's what's become actually useful and being really honest about how useful it is. So you should be able to log into systems and you should be able to see how many times a certain piece of content or a certain resource has been used and by whom. And if it's not being used, is it a training issue or is it a systems issue? No, that's perfect. That's that's great feedback and absolutely true. Um, I also want to ask, and this is deviating a little bit, but just knowing um, your background with Allbound, um, I would love to just get your take on the difference between kind of direct sales enablement and then channel sales enablement. Um, what are some of the 
challenges that are unique to the channel sector? Channel is has been really interesting for me because I used to work as I used to, because I was I worked at Allbound right and where we that was a, a true like enablement and like sales like product for Channel. Before that, I ran marketing at an organization that sold eighty percent eighty percent of business through Channel. So I was on that end of it, and now. I'm in a position where I am a channel partner of many organizations and it is painful. It is very, very painful. I, I wish I would have, I mean, I kind of knew, but now I really know. Um, so the biggest thing is, is you need to treat your, and this, I've said this before, but it's still very, very true. You need to treat those channel partner sales reps like they're your sales reps. They need to be an extension of your team. So so what I've noticed is, well, here's the pricing documentation and rules of engagement we have for our internal team, but we don't share that with our partners. Okay, well, well why? That doesn't make any sense, right? So you, you need to really treat your partners like they're part of your team and make it easy for them to access resources that are necessary. I am a partner. There's an organization I'm a partner with. Just today I said, I just want to verify that this is the most accurate pricing document. And he said, ooh, you know what? No, we rolled out a new one. And I mean, if luckily I asked because otherwise I'd be setting both myself and my partner, you know, rep over there, setting them up for success, for not for, for failure, I'm sorry, because I'd be, I'd be sharing, uh, in this case, the pricing increased. So I'd be sharing a lower price point with this potential customer who's then is going to get blindsided by an additional price. It's going to position me as not really knowing what I'm talking about. Um, and it's ultimately going to, they're probably going to end up wanting a discount. They'd want to end up wanting a discount. So, because they knew that that other price had existed at some point. So, which they should ask for that. So I think, um, that that's one of the hardest things that I that I see also for partners. Partners are typically partnering with many organizations, and it's easy to forget that you're not the only one. I mean, I we're we're a partner with so many technology companies that I had to create a whole separate sales pipeline in our CRM to keep track of all of the re referrals we're doing because we had no system of record for checking like as a whole, like wh what commissions we were owed or, you know, what stage things were at. And we're working with direct reps at all of these different organizations. So I had to create cu a custom field in, you know, in, in the deal record so I can keep track of the individual rep and I can kind of report on that because I've got my CEO who's asking me about it, who's saying, yeah, it's great for us to on paper say we're partnering with these companies, but what's it doing for us bottom line wise? And those, these are all separate organizations. So there's no one tool that's going to come and solve all of this. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. Um, and I think the thing that organizations need to do is have some um, empathy for those partners, understand kind of what they're, what they're going through, and try to make it as easy as possible for them to get access to the resources that they need and never be in a position where they're going, do I have the most accurate this or the most updated that? That should never be a question. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, spanning beyond channel, and because you raised this earlier as well, and it's an interesting topic around doing enablement beyond sales. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective, though, on um, if sales enablement, no matter where they sit, um, does span the entire go-to-market team, 
it seems like it would be challenging because all those different functions execute relatively differently. Like how do you enable marketing and how do you enable customer success in ways that are similar but different to the way that you have to enable your sales reps? It's a really good question. And it's something that we deal with regularly in our organization, mostly because I have three sales reps who are responsible for bringing on new business, but we have like 35 strategists who work, who are basically in a, you know, customer success kind of type of role um, that are, that are working, you know, day in and day out with customers and are responsible for keeping them as customers and growing them as customers and, you know, what have you. So, and they're, and those people aren't salespeople by nature, right? They're not at all. That's not what we're hiring for in that role. So we use, um, so I know what we do is we do have that knowledge base. Right? I mentioned it's a little sick. Okay. So it's not ideal, but we, we do have kind of the knowledge base where we are keeping track of, you know, all of our processes, um, and those resources, but then we are doing kind of spin-off trainings that are very, very focused depending on the role. And we've that 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 is something that you know we've just recognized that we have to do as a as an organization. So some of the core material might be the same regardless of who the function you know is with what that what their function is, but um, but there are going to be um, scenarios. There is going to be um, um, like in for training, there's going to be like different role playing. There's going to be just different situations. And so it behooves us to just dedicate some separate time for those particular functions. Thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you want to know more about, let us know. We'd love to hear from you.